You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Join our very iconic segment of Travel Express. Travel Express, Ibrahim Bar on After Dinner Mints. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me how you're doing this fine, beautiful evening, Bar. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Bar. It's good to hear your voice again after, I think, a week's absence, maybe. Yeah, I'm good, alhamdulillah, by God's grace. And uh, I just hope that you and yours are all well. And so are the listeners out there to Radio Marqa Sahaba. Zakala, by our, you know, duas are reciprocal. And also by, you know, looking at many things happening around us. And uh, let's kick off uh, our program with uh, the Emiratis and the United uh, Co-Chair Partnership expands, uh, you know, the Mexican destination. And when you look at Mexico, uh, it has very rich history in, uh, you know, different cultures and all this. It's a very civilized culture, they say, Ibrahim Ba. Uh, go ahead, Ba. Yeah, it's also also very, very uh, much in the limelight when it comes to drug running and gangs and things like that. But anyway, yeah, yeah, let's absolutely. look at the right side for a change. You know, the world is going to pot, but uh, let's see what's good still there. <laughs> okay, uh, starting off with this, uh, Emirates Airline is expanding its co-chair partnership with United Airlines. For those who don't know, that's based in the U.S. of A., and it's going to provide South African travelers with access to eight new Mexican destinations, and uh, in addition to Mexico City, which is the uh, gateway to Mexico, of course. So that's nine in total, right? And uh, this development marks Mexico as the first country outside the United States to join this growing network. And what it means basically by is that South African passengers who are flying with the Emirates to either Chicago or Houston, now have the opportunity to connect to leisure destinations in Mexico. And I'll just run through these destinations very quickly. Of course, Mexico City being the main entrance. Uh, The new uh, accessible destinations include Cancun, which is world famous for its holiday and beaches and things like that. Cozumel, Monterrey, Puerto Vallarta, Guadalajara, San Jose del Cabo, Leon, Guanajuato, and now, those are the new destinations, and uh, for those who have the time, they can look it up on the internet and see exactly what uh, the Elio is. And uh, this is something that's going to be brought online by virtue of Emirates' uh, co-chair agreement with United Airlines. Uh, Emirates is also offering more flexibility in flight timing for travelers heading to Mexico City, and passengers can choose either between flying to Mexico City through Emirates daily services via Barcelona or book uh, co-chair flights on United as well. And uh, this expansion, it uh, not only benefits those going on to Mexico City, but uh, also travelers to those other destinations that I mentioned in Mexico. And of course, this coach network now covers a total of 134 destinations accessible from United's U.S. gateways mentioned earlier. And additionally, nearly 100 more points across the U.S., Canada, Central and South America, and of course, the Caribbean are available on this interline travel agreement. And of course, Emirates continues to offer premium travel experience and travelers can plan the entire trip on a single ticket. Now, that's interesting. 
And of course, it benefits from the generous baggage allowance and of course, the hassle-free ability of uh, through checking your luggage through to your final destination. So if you're leaving from, say, Johannesburg, for instance, and you want to end up in Cancun, you're not going to see your luggage until you actually hit the deck in Cancun, which is wonderful. You know, you don't have to get off chase after the bags and all that nonsense and get it lost in between. And uh, tickets for the new coach destinations to Mexico going to be uh, made available from September the 14th, which has already begun and offering South African travelers exciting new options for their journey. So that is the wrap on that bit, uh, Bar. And I think it, it it's good because uh, Mexico is far flung from here and it's good to know that uh, Emirates is offering these additional coach share flights. Right, Bar, whilst you're talking, you know, you remind me, me of our yesteryear when we used to listen to Springback Radio and there was that advert, San Jose. You know, that voice <laughs> came through. Hey, hey. I know, yeah, you too, Shabba. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. San Jose. Yeah, and then it went on. But we don't mention all that. Yeah, Ram, that. San mm-hmm. Jose, the cigarette and all that. Well, um, Abba, traveling to Morocco, sad place indeed. What yep. to know about the earthquake's impact there, Abba? Yeah, just before I get on that, the thing is, you know, it led me to think, uh, you know, deeply about what's happening the world over. You know, it was said that uh, uh, signs that indicate the uh, fact that we are now entering the end times are here. If you look at uh, what happened in Morocco, in what happened, the floods in Libya, the uh, cyclones and tornadoes in Philippines, and that all within a few weeks of each other. So it's indicative that uh, the time has come and we've got to take stock of what we are doing here whilst we can. Anyway, getting back to the topic. And of course, uh, everyone knows that Morocco recently experienced a powerful 6.8 magnitude earthquake. And uh, this just happens to be the strongest in over a century. Yeah. And it resulted in a tragic loss of over 2,600 lives and counting. Still, they're still looking for survivors if they're going to find Allah knows. And uh, this was according to the country's interior ministry. And uh, the epicenter was approximately 75 kilometers uh, southwest of Marrakesh, a very popular destination. I've been there and it's uh, the main draw card, you know, apart from uh, maybe Fez and maybe a bit of, uh, you know, Agadir and other places. But uh, Marrakesh, I think, is the draw card over there. And uh, sadly, the most severe damage occurred in uh, villages in the high Atlas Mountains, where homes were destroyed and lives were tragically lost. And uh, remarkably, the uh, the quake, uh, the tremors were felt uh, way beyond the immediate vicinity uh, in places such as Rabat, Fez, and even Casablanca. That's, uh, you know, located more than 180 miles away from the epicenter. And uh, official recovery and rescue efforts were launched with several countries, including Spain, the United Emirates, and I know the South African delegation going over there as well. Everyone's collecting money and it's just as well because they're going to need every bit of help they can get there. And uh, travelers have, uh, of course, uh, expressed concern and questioned whether they should proceed with their travel plans or cancel or postpone, whatever. And uh, however, travel experts on the ground, they have emphasized that Marrakesh, the major tourist hub, as I mentioned, it remains uh, operational with people resuming their daily lives and tours and uh, attractions and things like that are operational. 
and visits continue, albeit with a somber awareness of the ongoing struggle in nearby affected areas. And uh, travel agencies and experts have urged travelers uh, not to cancel their future trips to Morocco uh, because uh, the majority of the Marrakesh and its vital infrastructure is intact, including airports, hotels, uh, roads, etc. all are intact. And supporting Morocco uh, through tourism during these difficult and challenging times is, uh, I think, uh, something that will be most welcome to the people there because it will contribute to the recovery of the affected areas, uh, particularly in the high Atlas Mountains. And uh, having said that, the travelers have been encouraged to check with their two operators for specific information on their trips and uh, stay informed about the evolving situation. Uh, however, it's essential to remain compassionate and considerate during this recovery process while continuing to uh, explore and experience the beauty and the culture of Morocco. So that's uh, the story there. Huh? You can go. It's it's all uh, operational in Marrakesh. But uh, of course, the mood is somewhat uh, downbeat, I would think, and justifiably so. No, absolutely. Ba. Is it, uh, you know, in Marrakesh or uh, one of these places that they have uh, big souks and so forth? I hope yeah, I'm yeah. right in that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, you've been there. Yes, Papa, I have. Uh, uh, no, perhaps uh, describe those souks at, uh, in, in Marrakesh. Well, look, uh, Marrakesh, I think, is, is it's, uh, popular with the, the continental crowd more than anyone else, right? Because of its allure, the souks, of course, I would say that even though Marrakesh has got a good souk, the, it cannot uh, outdo the one in uh, Fez, huh? That's something else. I love that one in Fez. And uh, there's a Jama al-Fina, which is a, a big square, open air square, where you get everything and every every sort of, uh, uh, how shall I say, attraction that's worth looking at from uh, snake charmers and cafes and, and whatnot else, nightlife and all the rest. Of course, the bargaining goes on regardless. And uh, the atmosphere is quite nice. You get these rooftop uh, sort of cafes where it's good to sit on top there and just survey the scene and look at what's happening. It's quite an an, uh, education, you know, just sitting and watching what goes on at night there. And you'll see everybody from just all over the world over there. A very nice place to be and It's uh, like stepping back in time. That's what I like about Morocco, you know, the culture and the heritage is just so uh, deep and so vast and uh, so in your face that you cannot miss it. Well, I know when uh, Donald uh, Trump became president, the first thing he uh, mentioned was this name, but he couldn't pronounce it. He said Namibia, you know, mm-hmm. Namibia somewhere <laughs> there. But it was uh, Namibia, uh, you know, concerned uh, by a surge of violent attack on international tourists. Uh, that's sad indeed, Ba. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that South Africans are not the only ones that are uh, have yes. put up with the scourge, you know, every time they keep pointing fingers at us, which is uh, justifiable to a certain extent, but it is, we are not alone in this madness, you know. And uh, yeah, the Ministry of Environment, uh, Forestry and Tourism, I'll say MEFT, M-E-F-T for short, they have expressed deep concern over the sudden surge in violent attacks. And this is uh, specifically targeting international tourists across their country. And uh, the minister has denounced these incidents, 
which have seen tourists uh, subjected to robberies, assault involving uh, AK-47 pistols, uh, pangas, push knives for those who don't know that, and of course knives. And these attacks have occurred in various regions from the far eastern Zambezi to the deep south Orange River. So it's quite a vast area that bar. And have even seen an increase in the Windhoek and Okahanja areas. So it is quite widespread and growing. So I think they'd better uh, work quickly and try and nip us in the bud before it gets to a point where they cannot control it. And uh, of course, in response, the government, uh, in collaboration with the key stakeholders, including uh, members from the hospitality industry, car hire, neighborhood watch groups, city police, etc., etc., is taking swift action to enhance security measures. Whilst they didn't elaborate what those measures might be, I would think uh, generally there is a, a protocol that you follow when you're up against this. I should know because we've got to deal with it daily. And uh, the collective aim is to safeguard Namibia's reputation. There you go. Reputation is so important these days. And uh, as one of the safest tourist destinations globally. Now, MEF plans to work closely with the police, as they mentioned, to establish a robust surveillance and intelligence system, uh, basically to identify and apprehend the criminal gangs responsible for these attacks. And of course, additionally, I think uh, they would do their utmost uh, to ensure the safety of international visitors and emphasize uh, Namibia's uh, commitment to legendary hospitality. And of course, the wave of attacks uh, come as just as the tourism sector is starting to recover from the pandemic. And uh, it's a vital, vital industry and uh, it impacts, uh, would you believe, by at least 12 other sectors and it contributes significantly to the country's GDP. So uh, that being the case, the government is determined to address these challenges and protect both tourists and, of course, uh, the nation's economic well-being and uh, reputation. I'm talking about Namibia, Mr. Ciara, are you listening? What happened to the Pala Pala scandal? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, Namibia, the Chinese influence is still strong there, uh, Ba? It's growing. It is growing, much to the chagrin of the Germans. Yeah, who were there from a long, long time. And uh, whilst uh, predominantly there's a lot of German influence, uh, the Chinese are making inroads. So, yeah, like they're making everywhere else, I would think. Well, talking about the Germans, there they're flying. Lufthansa to fly nonstop uh, from Johannesburg to Munich, Ba. Yeah, this is great news for travelers to Germany, of course, Ba. And uh, this is going to start... Uh, yeah, on June the 4th in 2024. So we've still got uh, more than six months to go before this comes online. But uh, Lufthansa announces, uh, and this is going to be a year-round non-stop route from uh, OR Tambo to Munich. And uh, of course, this uh, exciting addition offers travelers more options to depart for Europe at an alternative time from Johannesburg. And of course, they will have services running on Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday morning. And they're using uh, some of the latest, uh, up-to-date aircraft, the Airbus A350-900, that can take, a, or what, a nigh 293 passengers uh, and three, three uh, sort of classes. 
I beg your pardon. Yeah, three classes. They don't have a first class, but they have business class, premium economy and economy class. So that's what they are going to be coming in with. And uh, this route, this new route that they have proposed, it's uh, going to complement their services, uh, daily services to Frankfurt and Zurich and providing more travel choices for passengers in South Africa. And of course, uh, both these routes can be combined with fares at the same level. And uh, Lufthansa is committed to enhancing the travel experience deploying again, like I said, uh, uh, aircraft such as the Boeing 747-8-8 and Airbus 350. And of course, Munich Airport, for those who have frequented, know its quality. It serves as a gateway to approximately 130 destinations across Europe, America, Asia, and the Middle East. And of course, this expansion extends the airline's uh, reach in South Africa, including, uh, of course, Lufthansa, uh, Swiss and uh, Edelweiss, offering both corporate and leisure travelers exciting new options for their journeys next year. Yes, sir, Bah, you think of uh, Germany shot itself in the foot, uh, you know, siding oh, yes. with the, the U.S. and, uh, and the they, U.N. Uh, on that Ukrainian issue. I mean, they... Poor thing, they have imploded, but they're still surviving, Bah. Yeah, well, look, uh, the thing is, it is what it is because of uh, a few misguided uh, fools in charge of the of the country. That's all I can say, and good luck to them. A fool and his country are soon parted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Bah, we look at uh, South Africa's official world wonder. He is none other than the Kruger National Park, Bah. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm going to be quick on this because we've got a lot of ground to cover. And uh, this uh, survey was uh, conducted by a major travel insurance group uh, to unveil the new seven wonders of the world. And uh, this is based on the places people are most curious about uh, as uh, determined by online data over a five-year period, would you believe? And it showcases global fascination with diverse and remarkable landmarks and highlights the enduring appeal of these iconic destinations. And would you believe uh, on top of the pile is India's iconic Taj Mahal. Yeah, and we all know that one. So uh, that's the World Heritage Site and a must visit for anyone going to uh, India, especially Agra. Second spot is taken by uh, Burj Khalifa in Dubai. And uh, it opened in 2010, as we know, and still is the world's tallest building. Uh, Mount Everest in Nepal uh, came in uh, third. And it's the only non-man-made wonder to make the cut. And of course, uh, for those who have had the occasion to visit Nepal or fly over the uh, Himalayan mountains, uh, it continues to captivate adventurers and mountaineers from all over. And there, of course, comes in South Africa's Kruger National Park. Uh, Yeah, they made it all right. And it is the most, and uh, of course, wondered about, you know, like it's it's so mystical and people see all these wild animals and things, you know, and wonder, wow, what it must be like, and they'd love to come here. And uh, this is the landmark in the country, basically, for the people that are without the borders, that are looking at this stunning wildlife and natural beauty. And of course, uh, the Kruger National Park is a beloved destination for just about every nature enthusiast on Earth. And uh, the list also includes two famous uh, man-made structures, uh, 
the Eiffel Tower, of course, and uh, New York's Statue of Liberty, both uh, having uh, had uh, Gustav Eiffel, the designer of the Eiffel Tower, uh, you know, play a major role in the design thereof. And of course, rounding out the Seven Wonders, the Great Wall of China, and Machu Picchu in Peru. So uh, that's the new Seven Wonders, according to that survey, Bob. Talk about the Seven Wonders, the Statue of Liberty, and it so happened uh, that I read an article this morning which said uh, that Liberty Statue of Liberty, the lady that you see that's a sculpture there, happened to be an Egyptian woman, uh, Egyptian Muslim. So you know all these things getting very interesting indeed, uh, Ba. But uh, did you come across that, Ba? I can't say I did, but it is rather interesting. I will look it up definitely. But having said that, Ba, the thing is, I'm not sure if you have. uh, or you have noticed that the more desperate that the times are going, getting, and uh, the more the influence of Shaitan and his minions are becoming apparent and in your face, the more the people are turning to Islam and finding all these interesting, uh, you know, kernels of Long inspiration and things. And I think, uh, you know, uh, they say we plan, but uh, Allah is the best of planners and he'll, he'll make sure that Islam is at the forefront come hell or high water. Well, Ba, you said it so beautifully there. You may plot and plan, but Allah says, but I, Allah, I am the mm-hmm. best of best planners. planners. There's, there's no doubt about that. And Ba makes a very, very important point indeed. All the shaitans, you know, he whom the Lord wants to destroy, mm-hmm. he first makes mad. Absolutely. And we are surrounded by madness. But Mad- here, <laughs> Islam is coming. Islam is coming to the fore. Allahu Akbar. Well said there, Ba. Really, you are an inspiration. Well, from, uh, you know, and truly, you know, you talk about the Kruger National Park, we talk about our Drakensberg, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the beautiful oceans we got, the, uh, you know, and the, the, the different landscapes we have in this country. Truly, South Africa is a It's a gem, let me tell no you. No doubt. We're living in paradise. Were, if it were in the hands of some other uh, party or government, for that matter, or nationality, trust me, it would be truly a world-class destination. Right now, I don't know what it is, but uh, unless and until you don't get the right people running the show, this is what you've got. Absolutely, Ba. As we move on with a black ownership requirement for tourism yeah, just equity. As well. Nicely timed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. you like, a, you know, you can see what's going on now, Ba. we got a yeah. telepathy here. Before yeah. I can say it, you know what, what's going to happen. Ah, you're a genius, Ba. Go ahead. Okay. Right. Uh, coming coming to this uh, tourism equity fund, there has been a drastic revision, right? Uh, basically, the stuff was that they, they get overzealous, overambition, overambitious, and they don't really take into consideration what it takes to run a proper travel operation. You need the skills, you need the experience and the expertise, not to talk about the knowledge, which is, uh, unfortunately, after COVID in desperately short supply here in this country. I know we feel it ourselves that you cannot, for the love of money, hire any decent, competent, uh, dedicated uh, personnel anymore. But uh, coming to this thing here, it was introduced somewhere in, uh, it was launched in 2021, January with a budget of 1.2 billion rands annually uh, to stimulate investment and transformation in the tourism sector. There's that wonderful word again, transformation. And uh, to provide uh, debt finance and grant funding to facilitate equity acquisition and new project development by black entrepreneurs. 
Now, anyway, they were very overly ambitious and they set the target at 51% majority stakeholder by black ownership. Of course, that didn't gel very well with the rest of the industry that is long entrenched and established. And Afri Forum and Trade Union Solidarity contested this thing in court and they won at the end of the day. Of course, it did delay proceedings with the fund implementation. However, I think it was a good show that they put these people right back in their place and, and justifiably so too, because it was nonsensical to think that you're going to suddenly get uh, overnight uh, black entrepreneurs owning 51% of established companies. No one was going to do that. So uh, they had to recant, they had to uh, uh, revise, they had to back down, and now they've reverted uh, to the tourism sector code targets, which stipulate that a minimum of 30% black ownership is required instead of the initially proposed 51%. And uh, this has received the support from the South African cabinet. So good on Afri Forum and Solidarity for standing uh, their ground on that. I mean, they just want to railroad everything and you know make an absolute and total mess out of it and then expect you to come back and pick up the pieces. Uh, so that didn't happen. And of course, the Department of Tourism will be contributing 540 million bucks uh, with additional funding from small enterprise finance agency and commercial banks participating in the program. And uh, of course, uh, I mentioned this uh, BBEE Act and all that that went by the wayside when the court ruled in favor of a settlement. And uh, then they uh, went out of court and they settled and thank God for that. And uh, of course, I just hope uh, that uh, they can start implementing that uh, funding sooner rather than later because it's now, what, the tail end of 23 already. So a few years have been lost purely because of the, uh, you know, dreams of having 51% black ownership. Not that I have any issue with that, but the thing is one has to be realistic in the circumstances. Well, uh, people, learn your ABC before you go to D-E-E-E-B-E-E. And the way Bob says it is just unreal. It's too good. You know, you sound like uh, Muhammad Ali. Float like a butterfly and sting like a B-E-E-E-E. <laughs> yeah, Muhammad Ali. But, but, you know, talking about all this going around, uh, but how was the springtide? How was those waves? How was those yeah, waves? it really took a to coastline at Cape Town, took a hammering all the way from Gordon Bay right down the to uh, near the city, I normally that, I forget the name of that uh, area, it's near Grey Point, the beach where it is there. And that normally takes a pounding, but uh, one could have expected that with the uh, spring tide, the full moon and things like that. And uh, of course the climate change alarmists will jump on that bad bandwagon and say uh -huh. all sorts of nonsensical things, not that we care about them. But uh, yeah, it's sad and there's gonna be mopping up operations and uh, those that have those nice seaside uh, villas and apartments and all, uh, I think they're having a pause for thought that if this continues, uh, then they, they're going to have to take some sort of evasive action. They either put up higher walls uh, to stop it if they can. But uh, this is a, a natural phenomenon that occurs just about every year whenever there's spring tides. I mean, for that matter, here in Durban Beach, whilst it's not so serious, the thing is we do get spring tides that come all the way uh, over the lower promenade, all into the paddling pools and things like that from time to time. So it's uh, not something that's uh, unheard of. It is something that uh, we should be wary of. 
and of course uh, take the necessary precautions. Well, I mean, the, you know, the weather forecast and uh, the NSRI and uh, many others uh, said keep away from the shoreline. Exactly. And the people will still go there and open the shops and open the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, they should be fine for that bar. <laughs> Park the cars right there, even in Hout Bay, in Hout Bay where, you know, we've got friends that have uh, got houses there. You could see where they normally park near that. Uh, I think it's Fisherman's Wharf or something. Yeah, the wooden, uh, what's the name, pier there. Those cars are just getting hammered and floating mm. all around and messed up totally. They could see the sea. You say, yeah. I want to come. I want to come visit you on land. Exactly. And, you know, as it's coming and you're doing that. And it's a phenomena that comes uh, mm -hmm. every year. And, uh, you know, in our cases, we get that uh, daring fisherman who stand mm -hmm. on the rock <laughs> and the next moment there's a six-meter <laughs> wave. Don't get washed away, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> washed and uh, breaks him into uh, smithereens, you know, by dunking him onto a rock and so forth. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Pa, you know, I tell you, really great company uh, this evening. Really enjoy your input, about Perhaps your parting words before we let you go. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, talking about time running away from us. I believe that the best gift you could give ever, you could ever give to anyone, is your time. Because you are giving them something that you'll never get back. Well, I can tell you your time has been uh, documented. Your time has been spent very fruitfully. And your time as being an, a selfless human being is also documented. May Allah bless you for that. And uh, may you get immense, immense success in both the dunya and akhirah. That is my earnest, very heartfelt duaza for you, Ba. You have a beautiful evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair, Ba. And of course, to you and the listeners out there, uh, thank you for the gift of your time. I oh, hope a... uh, it meant a lot to you all as it did to me. Thank you. No, so it does. It does, Abba. And, you know, really, and if I got an encyclopedia in front of me and the listeners know your value, so they look forward to your segment on Travel Express. And they're not forgetting, hey, hey, when you come to Coffee Express on a Saturday morning without bar, hey, there'll be no coffee. You won't be smelling the coffee, people. Well, I can tell you, Jazakallah Khaira to the listeners for being with us and to Lukolo for great engineering from the team and I till we meet you again. We bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.